Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. I hope you're having a good morning this morning. Happy Labor Day weekend. How many of y'all got some good plans this weekend? All righty then. Um, evidently, I don't. So, uh, But I am available to come to your house tomorrow uh, if you cook brats. So anyway, uh, my name's Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I do want to reiterate exactly what Luther said. We have some big announcements in the life of our church. It's all good. Uh, so uh, we do want to uh, invite you this Tuesday uh, at 6.30 at the One Church offices. Make sure to do that. I want to give a shout-out to three different groups of people. I want to give a shout-out to our first-time guests. If you're a first-time guest with us today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Can we give it up for them, please? Also, uh, volunteers are very important. You're our VIPs, and we hope you guys uh, have a good day today. We know a lot of our volunteers are off or away because of Labor Day. We don't have any children's environments open, so we know that uh, there may be some uh, kids running and some babies screaming, and that's all right. I'm not going to pull a Donald Trump on you guys. Oh, I should have said that. Should not have said that. Anyway, um, let's move on. It wasn't in my notes. Um, uh, But we are going to have a great time today as we start a new series entitled Friending. Friending. Now, for the past nine years, and by the way, One Church started nine years ago this month. Um, So, in fact, it started nine years ago today. Uh, It was the first Sunday uh, in September. So, But in the nine years of a, a history of us as a church, we've never really talked about specifically did a series on friendships. And uh, I truly believe that the next four weeks, uh, the potential of God changing your life in radical ways is huge. Uh, Because as we're going to discover in this entire series, and this is the big idea for not only today, but for the entire series, is simply this. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your what? Let's say that together. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. One more time. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. That was pitiful, um, but thank you so much for playing. <clears throat> so that is where we're going to be going over the next four weeks. Now, again, if you're a parent here, you know the, the, the truism of that statement. In fact, you probably tell your teenager that a lot, or your middle schooler that, or your elementary school age child that, that you need to be careful of the friends that you choose. You know, it's amazing how many times as us as parents... We have a tendency to apply that to our children and not apply it to ourselves. Uh, so I want to remind us, all of us in here today, whether or not you are a, uh, a two-year-old, uh, if, if you're a toddler, and uh, you're hanging out with a bunch of people hitting the bottle, and uh, uh, I, I'm telling you, you're going to be hitting the bottle as well. Um, if, you, uh, if you're a teenager and you're hanging out with people who are doing good things, Uh, I'm telling you, you're going to become like them as well. In fact, the smartest man who ever lived, his name is Solomon. Um, What's amazing about Solomon is Solomon, uh, God uh, showed up to Solomon in a dream. He says, listen, anything that you ask for, I'll give it to you. It's almost almost like one of those genie moments. Anything that you ask for, I will give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. So God made him the wisest person who ever lived. In fact, he wrote many uh, of the Old Testament books, uh, the wisdom sayings, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. This is what the wisest person who ever lived has to say about friendships. He who walks with the wise, what will happen? You will grow wise. You will grow wise. But a companion of fools will do what? Suffer harm. 
So if you walk with the wise, you will what? Become wise, but a companion of fools, there's going to be some suffering that happens. In other words, if you hang out with people who are better than you, smarter than you, who are pursuing God uh, more than you, then you will become like them. Uh, if, you are, if you're hanging out with people who are loving their spouses and are loving their kids and trying to do better, then you're going to become like them. However, the inverse is true. If you hang out with a bunch of yahoos, if you hang out with a bunch of idiots, a bunch of party things, those people who get in trouble, they're going to drag you down to their level because you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, if you think about it in your life, that's true in your life because I know it's true in mine. The times in my life when I have seemed to excel and I've done well, it's because I've surrounded myself with people who were excelling and were doing well. But the total inverse of that is true as well because I never got in trouble by myself growing up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, think about it. Some of the worst nights of your life, some of the worst decisions you ever made, you probably did it with a bunch of so-called friends. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. So here's what I want you to do, and this is a challenge. I'm going to ask everybody to do, if you'll go ahead and go, and go to the Bible app, click on events, and you can take notes there. But I want you guys to write down, I want you to write down five of your best friends. Go ahead and do that now. Uh, either take a, p- a pencil, piece of paper, go on version, and you can hit add to the notes. But I want you to write down five of your closest friends. I don't see anybody's phones on. Don't make me come up there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want you to do that. Write down some of five of your closest friends. And, and here's what it, it does not count. You can't write down your spouse. You can't. You can't write down your imaginary friends. You can't write down anybody in your family. You have to write down somebody that you're not kin to, that you're close with. Now, let me tell you, I'm not talking about Facebook friends. All right? Some of you, you have some Facebook friends who are actually friends, but some of you, you've got thousands of Facebook friends, and you don't know who these people are. Right? You don't know that. In fact, if you, if we were to do like a quick test, you were like, I ain't got no idea. I'm talking about friends of people that you can call at 2 a.m. in the morning if something goes off the tracks in your life. I mean, a group of people that you're transparent with and who knows everything about you. I wanted to write down five of those. Y'all doing it? Okay. Now, think about this. As you kind of look at that list of friends... Let me give you a truism that you are the average of your five closest friends. You are the average of your five closest friends. In almost every area of your life, sociologists say that you will be the average of your five closest friends. That the, if you write down whoever you wrote down the closest to, those five, four, three, whoever the chances are financially, you are the average of those five people. That you're in the middle of that. You probably don't make the most money. You probably don't make the least money. You're kind of in the middle of that. Morally, if you're a partier, if you were stoned last night, chances are three or four of your closest friends were stoned as well. Now, some of you, you're like, I don't do such things. Who does stuff? Right? Seriously, come on. This is one church, right? I know some of you, last night, you were, you were on the cray-cray train, and you, you were stoned last night. 
Or, let me say this, if you're pursuing God with all of your heart, chances are three or four of your friends are also pursuing God with all of their hearts. You will become like the average of your five closest friends because like it or not, your mom was right, you will become like those you run with. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your what? Future. So, as you look at this, those are the people that you listed. The quick question arises, are you hanging out with the right people? Do you want to become like those people you are hanging out with? And if the answer is no, then you might want to change some of your list. I mean, some of you, you, those who are married, if you want a good marriage, you need to hang out with people who are striving to have good marriages. Do you want to be stronger financially? Are you hanging out with people that understand how to manage their money? Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Are you hanging out with people who are pursuing God? Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. In almost every area of your life, you will be the average of your five closest friends. Now, let's define friendship. Because so many times, again, whether you like it or not, social media has really defined and redefined what friendships are. So let's take a verse of the Bible, and it's going to be up on your screen, and uh, let's define what friendships are. This is Proverbs 17, 17 of the FBV version. This is what it says. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. Is that what it says? You know, that's not real. By the way, that's, that's not in the Bible. So let's, uh, but we've got to admit, you know, Facebook has really changed how we connect and interconnect with other people. So let's look at what Proverbs 17, 17 actually says and how we should define friendship today. It says this, a friend does what? Say it out loud, everyone. Loves how long? At all times. And whether, what is a brother born for? A time for adversity. A brother is born for a time of adversity. Wouldn't it be amazing if you, if I, had a handful, maybe four or five or maybe six people that loved us all the time? I mean, not just for a short season of your life, but I'm talking about for decades. As my wife and I, we were conversing a few weeks ago, you know, we were talking about friendships that have kind of, we went in the seasons of friendships and how, you know, we don't have a lot of people who have stuck with us for decades. We don't. And I don't know if you're like that. Especially if you move a lot, sometimes that can be difficult. But just knowing, what if, just, let's just play an imagine game, if you will. Imagine if you had three or four or five friends that were your friends for decades and you grew up knowing their spouses and investing in their kids, where there is such close pollinization spiritually, where you learn from them and they learn from you, that you make each other better, that they love you enough to, to be honest with you and not to lie to you and confront you when you're being a uh, dingleberry. Um, uh, um, that's not in the notes either. Um, uh, that, uh, that loved you enough to kick you on your backside when you were doing something stupid. That were there to celebrate with you during good times and weep with you during the difficult times. Imagine if you had friends like that. Why? A friend loves at all times. It reminded me of a story of the 50-foot woman. Here, here's a a picture it should be up here. Y'all remember this movie? You've probably never seen it, but you've probably seen this poster. 
How many of y'all have heard of this movie? 50-foot woman? Let me tell you about the 50-foot woman. Yvette Vickers was best known for a role of the attack of the 50-foot woman. She was a former Playboy playmate and a B-movie whore star, and she would have whore star, and she would have been 83 last August, but to be honest with you, nobody knows nobody knows how old she was when she died. According to the LA Coroner's report, she lay dead for over a year before a neighbor noticed cobwebs and the yellowing letters in her mailbox. So the neighbor reached through a broken window to unlock the door. Upstairs, the neighbor found Vickers' body that was mummified near a heater that was still running. Her computer was on too, and its glow permeated the empty space. The LA Times posted story headline, Mummified body of former Playboy playmate Yvette Vickers found in her Benedict Canyon home which quickly went viral. In fact, you can do a search on it even today, and just within two weeks, there were 16,057 shares on Facebook and 881 tweets. She had long been a horror movie star and an icon, a symbol of Hollywood's capacity to exploit basic fears. But really, when she died, it really unearthed uh, fear in all of us, and that's the fear of dying alone, of being alone. It's the growing fear of of loneliness. Let me read the same verse again, just from a different translation that really captures the idea of loving at all times. A friend is always what? Loyal. A friend is loyal. Vickers had no one loyal to her. She had no family, no children, no friends, no religious groups to rely on, no immediate social circle of any kind. And you know what? I really do think today loyalty is a lost art. It really is. We aren't really loyal to much anymore. With disposable phones, disposable income, disposable spouses, and disposable friends, many of us, we just drift through life with little or no connection. If somebody asked you if you were a loyal friend, could they say yes? According to the American Sociological Review, the average American today has only two close friends. So when I ask you to write down five of your closest friends, the, most of us in here couldn't do that. We couldn't write down five. We probably wrote down about two. Which may not seem very alarming to you, but just two decades ago, almost 25 years ago, the average American had six close friends. And in the past... Two and a half decades, that's actually went down by a cut by one-third. Where all of us really only have two, if that. But listen to this. This is so interesting. That fully 25% of Americans don't have one single close friend that they can call on. That's alarming. But I know that is the people that we're speaking to today. People who are isolated. People who are alone. People who are hurting. Who really feel like they don't have anybody that they can share with. So, let me ask the question before we go on. Why are friendships declining? Why are friendships declining? Well, number one, increasing work hours. Everybody knows that. You know, it's crazy. With the invention of technology and some of this stuff, it was created so that we can be able to work less hours. But really, it's pretty much just allowed us to work more hours. And we work more and we're more disconnected. Secondly, rising divorce rates. 
Studies show that only that not only are divorces really difficult with families, they're difficult on friendships as well. I mean, you get that money, and you get this money, and you get this child on this day, and you get their kids on this day, and then that friend goes with you, and then this friend goes with me, because all friends choose sides. Divorce is difficult on friendships. Also, we move more often. We move more often. Gone are the days when mom and dad and kids grew up in the same house. It's funny, my wife likes sharing. Uh, pretty much from kindergarten all the way to 11th grade, she went to a different school every year. You know, that's difficult on friendships. So it is. Each, each year, tens of millions of people in the U.S. relocate, with the average American moving once every five years. From 2016 to 2017, 12% of the American population will move from one city or state to the next. And get this, a person in the U.S. is expected to move 11.6 times in their life. There's a lot of moving going around. Let me tell you a little bit about one church, and you've heard me use this statistic before, but the average person at one church, average year, excuse me, we have about 40% of the people at one church, they move. Many of them do to PCS. And if I could just stop and say this, there are, we probably, 85% of our church is military, um, and uh, the rest of us were civilians. Uh, but I, here's one of the things I've realized about army folks is being in the army you guys can turn off relationships quick can't you in fact when you just sniff out when you hear the three letters pcs many of you you disconnect socially and i've had really close friends that they were pcsing refused to even come and say goodbye because of again i I get that It's easier just to move on with your life. But we should have friends that should stand the test of time. And even when you move, you should have those close friends. Just this past week, I've had two friends of mine who've PCS. They both texted me asking, how are you doing? And I texted them back. So we move more often. And then lastly, and this is probably the biggest reason why friendships are declining, is social media, smartphones, and texting. Texting. Again, I'm not against social media. Uh, you guys know that. You, I encourage you guys to be on your phones while we preach the sermon. We encourage you to t- uh, text in questions or text in prayer requests. We ask you to check in on Facebook, uh, on OneChurch.tv's Facebook page, all of that. But as much as I love social media, whatever you think about social media, about smartphones, you have to acknowledge that social media and texting is really defining and redefining the way we talk to our friends, right? Example. Years ago, I can guarantee that none of you ever picked up the phone and called someone and said, by the way, I'm eating eggs and ham. (laughs) Right? You never did that 40 years ago. But what do we do today? We get our phone and we go, okay, I'm going to take a picture of my eggs and ham. And I'm going to, and then I, you know, I got to stage it. You've know, got to move stuff, and we've got to move the crumbs off the table, and, oh, and look, and then you put a filter on it, and you f- try to invent this great hashtag, you know, living high on the hog, <laughs> whatever that is, right? And we have this tendency to be able to broadcast to everyone what we're doing, and we think that we are going deep and that we're sharing. But let me tell you, I, 
I would deduce that we're not. We share, we'll share our hearts and thoughts and broadcast them over 140 characters or less. We'll put it on Facebook, on a post, and we'll have our feeling or a little emoji, ask people to pray about us, and then the best, we'll take a picture of ourselves with a selfie. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Got to get it up here. You get it up here, nobody wants to double chin. You get up here, right? You put a filter on it again. And then you post it, and then you watch to see how many people liked it. Well, seven people liked it in five minutes. Okay, that was good. That was a good picture, right? And we think that that's connecting. We feel like we're connecting with other people, but really, it's a pseudo-relationship. It's a false relationship. Nothing wrong with Facebook. You can stay in touch with other people, but it needs to be a supplement to relationships, not a replacement. Technology cannot be a replacement. It can only be a supplement. And for the rest of our time, before we're done this morning, I just want to talk about the lost art of friendships. The lost art of friendships. Because I think all of us, we want to be, we want to have good friends. How many of y'all want good friends? Let me see your hands. Okay, put your hands down. Do you know that if you want good friends, guess what you got to be? You got to be a good friend. So what I want us to do really over the next 10 minutes is I just want to challenge you on how you can be a good friend. And the first thing I want to give you, just two points. First thing I want to give you is you need, you need to be present. You need to be present. In fact, if you don't mind, there's going to be something up on the screen that's going to come up and I want you to repeat after me. I will develop my friendships face-to-face. Not just thumbs to thumbs. Let me tell you what is not a friendship. Just doing this. It's not a friendship. It's not enough. You have to develop friendships face to face. Not just thumbs to thumbs. And let me say this. Not belly button to belly button. Some of you, you know what I'm saying about that? All right, those are friends, but you don't need to have friends with those type of benefits. That's your spouse with those type of benefits, right? So friends to -to face-to-face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Let me tell you, when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't throw a book at them and said, read this, study this, there will be a test later. No, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you, he invited them to follow me. And for the next three and a half years, Jesus hung out with friends, Jesus hung out with the same 12 guys. He, 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 they uh, cooked together. They washed clothes together. Um, they did miracles together. He would teach and they would listen. And they would hang around the campfire at night. They would go asleep around the campfire. They would wake up the next day. And they did that for the three and a half years. Why? Because Jesus is all about relationships. It's not just reading something off of a screen or reading something out of a book. It is about having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if your Heavenly Father wants an intimate relationship with you, guess what? He wants you to have an intimate relationship with Him, but He wants you to have intimate relationships with other people as well. 
And one of the things, as I've just been kind of reading and doing a lot of stuff about technology, and parents, you really need to hear this. Our children are more dissatisfied with parents' obsession with technology than the reverse. Parents being frustrated with their children's obsession with technology. Now, it does not mean that kids are not on technology more than parents. It just means this, that children get more frustrated because they want to be available to you, mom and dad. But, okay, honey, I can't do that. I can't do that right now. I'm on Pinterest. I'm going to change the world by finding the best recipe. Right? Mom, mom, can, can, can we do something? Can we play a game together? Can, can we hang out together? Can we, wait a minute, I, I'm checking my Facebook post. You see, we can be frustrated with our kids. And we can yell at them and we can do all that stuff, which is probably not the best. But really, I think sometimes... We need to have people get us in check, moms and dads. We do. I mean, I can't tell you how frustrated, and I'll tell you this is one of my pet peeves, when I go to a restaurant, and you'll have five people at the restaurant, all from the same family, and they got their phones. And they're just checking it. And basically what that communicates is this, that everybody else is more important than those five people there. You know, we have small groups here at OneChurch.tv that when they show up at night, they take all of their phones and they put them in the middle of the table and they get them face down. And and by doing that, they're saying this, that everybody over the next hour, everybody in this room is more important than this right here. And I think we need to do that. We need to be more intentional about that. We need to be present. This is what the author of Hebrews has to say about this. Let us think of ways... To motivate one another towards acts of love and good works. Man, what a great thing. Are your friends motivating you towards acts of love and good works? Or are they demotivating you? Are they pushing you closer to God? Or are they pulling you further away? Let's keep on going. And let us not neglect what? What does it say? Our meeting together. That, the word, that, that, that Greek word meeting together is used two times in the scriptures, and it literally means this, to, phys- to meet physically with a spiritual purpose. To meet physically with a spiritual pur- purpose. And let us not n- neglect our meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, especially now as the day is drawing near. You see, as days are drawing near and we have more difficulties and more stuff happening, we need to encourage one another. We need to not neglect meeting together. One of my mentors in seminary, Chuck Swindoll, used to say this, 90% of ministry and helping people out is just showing up. And that is true. Ministry is all about relationships. It is. Ministry is all about relationships. And my, my wife lost her parents this past year. It's been a very difficult year for our family, but especially my wife. I cannot tell you just how a, much of a blessing it was of having people, yes, text and, and you know, doing that in the Facebook posts, but actually physically being there. Because again, relationships are developed face-to-face, not just thumbs to thumbs. Uh, just a month ago, you know, I've been kind of struggling through stuff and I'm concerned about, you know, finances and all this stuff. And uh, my wife, uh, and I love her, she texted five or six people of the church and said, be praying for Chris. Send him a text message. And that's exactly what happened. There's just something about knowing people that's there for you and texting you. And those text messages meant a lot, but I had actually some people show up 
and say, do you mind if I just pray with you? And I'm like, yeah, please. Absolutely. I wonder how different your family, how different your friendships, how different you would be if you made the people that you were with top priority and not just Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Put the thing down and look at the people across the table. Be present. Secondly is this. If you're taking notes, get open. Get open. Open up. Be transparent. Let me tell you, community and friendships don't work if you're not willing to be transparent with people. And I was having a conversation uh, uh, with a, a good friend of mine about this yesterday of just being open. Let me tell you, the new and the fastest growing phobia. Does anybody know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It's talking on the phone. I can't even make this smut up. Right? I just can't. I mean, people want control over everything. So when people call, they won't get it. They'll just let it go to what? Voicemail. Or if they text, they'll say, you know, I'll get to it when I want to. They want to be in control of the relationship. When someone texts you, you say, oh, I'm going to just talk to him later. You're in control. You think about what you want to say, and you can type it out. You can edit it. You can delete it. You can carefully craft your response because you are in control. On the phone, when you're talking to somebody, you're not in control. And what's even funnier, because I've been doing the studies on this, is they're saying now because people don't know how to talk on the phone, they don't know how to get off the phone. They don't know how to say goodbye. I, Kim and I have a friend, and uh, I hope she's listening. Uh, this person um, has visited our house twice. She's not from this state. She's from a different state. Um, but she's come up and visited us twice. And it is the most awkward visit because we'll try to, hey, when are you going to come? When are you going to show up? Because we want to prepare. We want to get everything ready. And she'll never, she'll never text us back. She'll never call back. But every time you see her, she is all, her, phone, her head is buried in that phone. When she leaves our house, she doesn't say goodbye. She just walks out the door. There was one time... Um, she walked out the door. We didn't know where she went. We had to go on Facebook, and when we saw one of her update on her post, that's how we found out she left. That's weird, people. That is weird. If that's you, you are weird. Right? I mean, people don't know how to have conversations anymore. You don't know how to have talk to somebody face-to-face. It's only thumbs-to-thumbs. And because we can't get our head out of the screen, we don't know how to be present, and we don't know how to be open. Because we have to be in control. We have to be in control. In fact, I don't think there's any more verses more powerful than the, the last verse we're going to look at today, and that's in James. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to whom? Somebody help me out. To each other. Now, not just... To God, but to people. And we're to pray for what? Each other. So that what's going to happen when you do this? When you confess your sins to believers, when you pray for each other, the Bible says that you may be, what does it say? Healed. So you see, so many of us, we want to find healing in relationships. We want to find healing in our lives and our past and forgiveness. We want to find that healing, but we can't, we will not. We will not get face-to-face with somebody and open up and be present and be open. So here's the thing. I want you to jot this down. Last thing, I want, you to, I want you to tweet or something today. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect people through our weaknesses. 
We can impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Another one of my mentors in seminary, Howard Hendricks, used to say this, that you can impress people from a distance, but you can impact them only up close. You see, it's easy to keep people like this, and that's what social media in a lot of ways does. It's a pseudo-false closeness. But when you're able to get face-to-face and you see the pain and the tears welling up in someone's eyes, when you're able to be transparent, that's really where the foundation of friendships come. That you can drop your guard, you can drop the facade, you don't have to, it's unfiltered. You don't have to create a hashtag for it. You just have to create time and openness in your life to make that happen. So I can't tell you as we close today, if you don't have a lot of friends today, I can tell you it is God's will for you to have more friends and to connect with more people. Why? Because you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We're going to talk about this next week, but another quote we've said a lot here at One Church is your friends will determine the direction and the quality of your life. And they will. If you don't have a lot of friends, I'm telling you, that's the reason why One Church exists. We want to be able to create space with us and with you so that not only you can connect with God, but you can connect with other people. We know that life is difficult. We know that life sometimes throws you curveballs. We know that sometimes uh, you, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble, right? But it's during those times that we're really able to drop the facade, drop the guard, and say, you know what, I'm willing to be real. And if you're willing to do that, today, I'm telling you, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. You're at the right church. If you're wanting to keep the facade and you're wanting to keep the, uh, the, the looks up, if you want to protect your reputation, if you want to present that perfect perfection, uh, you can go to another church because we're going to mess you up. And let me tell you, I say we're going to mess you up. You ain't that perfect. That's what the Bible says, right? You're just not. But our Heavenly Father says this, that there is a friend in the book of Proverbs that sticks closer than a brother. And as we close today, for some of you, you need to be introduced to that friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus Christ. You see, God sent His one and only Son so that you and I can have a relationship with Him. So that if we would just drop the facades and we would realize, you know what, we have messed up, we have sinned, and that that sin has just broken and messed so much stuff up. And we would just believe in God and that we would believe in His Son Jesus and we could receive eternal life. That's what the most famous verse in the Bible says, John 3.16. For God so loved, everybody say loved. Loved the world that He what? Gave. Everybody say gave. You see, what, G, what God did is he loved and he gave. That is what he has done for you and I, everybody in here today. So what is our response? That if you would believe, everybody say believe. That you would believe that you will receive eternal life. Everybody say receive. You see, God loved, God gave. Only thing he's calling you to do is to believe. Well, that's kind of easy. I mean, don't, shouldn't I like, get my mess together? Shouldn't I kind of get rid of this or this, uh, this past in my life? No, 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 no. God's just saying, I want you to believe in his one and only son. And if you do that, slowly but surely, slowly but surely, you will be healed. And you'll get all that junk. 
It'll get less junk and less junk. God wants a relationship with you. And so do we at One Church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that we can come this morning and we can just be able to read from God's Word what the wisest person who ever lived said. Lord, that if we walk with wise people, we will become wise. And Lord, just as we've restated that today, Lord, Lord, our friends will be our future. The people we hang out with, we will be the average of those closest friends. So today, I pray that people, as they leave here today, that they would start connecting with other people. Lord, that they would start beginning those relationships. They would find a community group to get into and realize that they don't have to be alone. That God never called us to be alone. He called us in community. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.